And so we welcome you here, Lord. We pray for the grace to be here ourselves, here and now. And uh, we look forward to this time with you, with others, in this place. Thank you for the presence of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> there has been, as you can imagine, uh, all kinds of you know, technical adjustments that we've made over the last couple months. Um, things are still um, on the screen. That's, the, that's what's being shown at home on televisions, as you know, right? And so I just want you to know that I haven't got, like, a really big head. I'm not trying to, like, broadcast pictures of myself. I know you can see me, okay? I know you can see me. You don't need pictures of me on both sides. I'm very self-conscious about this right now. But it's the only, the, the only way we could do it. We'll fix it, okay? We'll fix it. But um, for now, you get three Nates for the price of one. How about that? Right? You can choose whatever side of my face looks better or something. Yeah. I'm going to try not to look at myself. All right. I'm, so, I'm just so happy to see you folks here. Thanks for coming this morning. Thanks for joining us online. I know there's all kinds of dynamics affecting people, uh, sick folks at home, little kids, mothers-in-law living at home, keeping folks uh, in, in their homes as the place where they just simply need to be in this season. It is, friends, it is on this day, Pentecost Sunday, that we witness the early followers of Jesus move from caution to courage. It's on this day. Okay, it's on this day where we witness the early followers of Jesus move from being uh, afraid to fill, filled with courage. Fifty days earlier, the followers of Jesus had become convinced that Jesus has, had resurrected from the dead. And so they moved from defeat to victory and from confusion to clarity, at least on this one point, which is that Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is no longer in the grave. He's alive. And then the next 50 days in the story, they're really confusing. They're strange. They are, to use a phrase that's common in our culture now, they are unprecedented times, right? Because Jesus has, is alive. Jesus has risen from the, the grave. That much is clear. But what does it mean for the early followers of Jesus? They're not entirely sure. There's a sense that we get in them that there's fear, right? There's a lack of certainty about what it means to follow Jesus Christ now, what difference that should be making in their lives and in the world now. It's like they're waiting for something to happen in these 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. And then on this day, 50 days after Easter, Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost means 50, that something happens. And from this day forward, it's like a flip gets switched in the lives of the disciples. Their hearts, their minds change. Suddenly it's like they get it, and they have received the power to get after it. And they never look back. It's never the same after this. Here's the way Luke tells the story in his second book called Acts. This is chapter 2. I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to summarize a little bit, and then I'm going to read a little bit more. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Why? Because each one heard their own language being spoken. And then Luke mentions that the crowd is bewildered. They're confused. He, he lists no fewer than 15 languages that they're hearing. What are they hearing? The praises of God being spoken and proclaimed in their own Local language, though all of them have returned to their place of origin to, to Jerusalem for this big celebratory feast. And they're going, what in the world does this all mean? Then Peter, verse 14, stands up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as some of you suppose. Some people heard the praises of God being declared, and some people just said, oh, they're drunk, which is really interesting. Peter's justification for this is it's only 9 in the morning. Right? All right, And then he quotes from the prophet Joel, Old Testament prophet, who says, in the end times, the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit on all people, all people and all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. Then look at verse 22. He continues, Peter continues, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And then here's our key verse for this morning, verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. The sermon today is titled, Impossible for Death. We're in the second week of a series called Three Feasts. Last Sunday, we talked about the Feast of the Ascension. Today, we're talking about the Feast of Pentecost. Next week, we'll talk about the Feast of the Trinity. The theme for the whole series is presence. We're talking about the power of presence and the agony of absence. And today, I want to look at the agony of absence, but I want to look at the agony of absence in light of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. So imagine with me that you're looking at a picture of absence. If you, could, if you could take a picture of it, look at that picture of absence, that picture of loss, that picture of loneliness. It's a sad picture. Maybe it's an agonizing picture. Maybe it's difficult for you to even look at it because it grieves you. And now imagine that somebody hands you this pair of glasses which allow you to see the picture of absence more completely. Okay. Now you see more than the pain, more than the fear, more than the grief. You still see those things because they're real. They're real. But now with these glasses on, you see them in a different light. You see more fully, and what you see fills you with courage, and it fills you with hope, and it even fills you with joy. As you look at this picture through these glasses, you see the picture, but you see it more completely, and that completion brings you joy, ultimately, in the end. I was, uh, I was standing on the edge of a cliff 
at Point Reyes National Seashore, looking hundreds of feet down to the Pacific Ocean. I was pressed up against a, a, like a, I don't know, a metal bar with a bunch of people. And um, suddenly, in, from the darkness of the ocean below me emerges this whale. And I'm going, look, there's a whale. <laughs> there's a, look at her. She's right there. And all these people are like, where? Because that's why everybody's there, to see the whales, right? Where, where? And they're looking at the horizon. I'm like, no, not up there. Right down there. She's right there. And they're like, wow. And they're thinking that I'm making it up. And, and then I realized I, I had this brand new pair of polarized sunglasses on, and I can see right through the glare of the surface of the ocean, and I can see this beautiful whale, like, rolling, still probably 6, 10, 20 feet under the water. I realized it's the glasses. So I take off the glasses, and I, look, look, and, and then I hand them to the next person, and they're like, wow, it's a whale. And then they hand the glasses, that, oh my gosh, it's a whale. And they keep handing, and then they hand my glasses to their friends who hand them to their friends. I literally had to track down my glasses like a couple dozen yards down the cliff, right? So imagine this picture of absence, the loss of a loved one, the disappointed hope, uh, the frustrated effort, the ongoing struggle against injustice. It's a sad picture. And as we said last week, it is good and right to grieve absence, to grieve absence, to lament loss. It's good and right. It's, it's right to be sad about brokenness. But now, friends, I invite you to ask God to enable you to see that picture of absence in light of the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. Ask God for the glasses, so to speak, that will enable you to recognize what is actually true. The presence of God's power that is actually here with us, even in the midst of loss, even in the midst of pain that is real, even in the midst of sadness, even in the midst of injustice. Ask God to fill you with his presence so that you can see the picture of absence more clearly. And ultimately, perhaps, even experience some deep, sustained joy, even in the midst of the sadness. Here's a question. What is the ultimate absence, do you think? What is the ultimate absence? What is the opposite of presence? What is it that we say, or when is it that we say she's gone? It's over. Yeah. Yeah, it's death. Death is the ultimate absence. And part of the reason that death is so painful is that it separates. It takes somebody away. It replaces their presence with their absence. And that absence is final. Death brings the ultimate absence. But this ultimate finality of death is what is overthrown by Jesus in the resurrection. So when Christians declare that death is defeated, we're not denying that people die. We're denying that death has the last word, right? We're declaring that that death, which is the ultimate absence, is actually temporary. It's not the ultimate absence. It's been reworked. It's now temporary. Absence is no longer final. It is no longer ultimate. The power of the resurrection is stronger than the power of death. 
This is what Peter proclaims in the Pentecost sermon. He says, you, with the help of wicked men, you put Jesus to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. What is the agony of death? It's the finality of it, right? Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death is really, really strong. Old Testament prophets will use a phrase to communicate just how much strength something has by saying it's as strong as death. (laughs) But Peter says there's something that's stronger. And there is something that's impossible for death. What is impossible for death? It was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. So the early claim of the Christians was that Jesus died and it was agonizing. But his death was not permanent. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. That's the message of Easter. And here then is the message of Pentecost. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is can be present and is, can be alive, not just somewhere out there, but in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that's available to us. That's what Peter is proclaiming to the thousands that gather around, asking for his explanation. This is the way Paul puts it to the Christians in Ephesus. It's a prayer, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart get those glasses, essentially is what he's saying. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And his incomparably great power, incomparably great power for those who believe. That power, Paul says, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion. In other words, Paul is saying you can know this incomparably great power. You can see your pain. You can see your loss. You can see your sadness. You can see injustice. You can see the brokenness of the world. Through these glasses of ultimate power, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It is the most powerful power. You can know this power, and this power can live inside of you. And this power, this presence of the Holy Spirit of God, it can profoundly affect your real life, your everyday life, so that even in times of sorrow and in sadness and in pain, you can know hope, and you can even experience joy. You can know the bigger picture. You can see Clearly, you can say, yes, there is real loss here. There is real pain here. There is real injustice here. Things are absolutely broken, but this is not the whole picture. There is a power that is stronger than the power of death that is being demonstrated all around us in so many ways. And this real power, this ultimate power, it's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. It's the power that freed Jesus from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. And Peter's Pentecost message is that the same power, that same power is now available to us today so that we can step out of caution and we can step into courage so that we can overcome hatred with love. Don't try to do it without his power, right? So that we can experience joy even in times of deep sorrow 
Peter ends his sermon by quoting King David who worships God, declaring, this is in Psalm 16, you will fill me with joy in your presence. In your presence. Friends, in life, we will experience the agony of absence over and over and over again. We will experience the agony of absence, of loss, of injustice. But that agony is temporary. It's temporary. It doesn't mean it's not real, but it means it's not final. It's not the end of the story. There is a power that's stronger than the power of absence. It is the very presence of God. And today, the Feast of Pentecost, we can join King David and the Apostle Peter in declaring to God, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Amen? So, friends, may we never give in to the agony of absence, and may we forever press in to the presence of God, even as we grieve. May we know his power. May we experience his joy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to worship you together this morning. May the reality of this story, written 2,000 years ago, be known to us, in us, and through us today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me for a minute, greet those that you're sitting near, wave to those that you're not sitting near. And uh, take just a minute, and may the peace of Christ be always with you, friends. Thank you.